Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Sometimes needing new tires can catch us by surprise. That's why tire power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tirepower.com.au or call 13 21 91. Thanks to First Serve Tennis Sunscreen, a quality Australian-made sunscreen to protect those that love their tennis at sunblessunscreens.com.au and GLG Greenlife Group, your open space specialists at glgcorp.com. Welcome to the First Serve, your home of tennis. Indeed it is. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the First Serve. It's uh, very nice to have your company on this uh, Monday night. Brett Phillips in the chair. We roll into week two of uh, Roland Garros, mixing the French with my old uh, Roy boys. Mickey, keep it going, keep it going. Oh, you're going to go into that mode? Oh, okay. So we've gone from, I uh, want a bit more of the uh, the old Fitzroy theme song, which is part of the French anthem, but we, now we feel like we're in Paris, so far away from it. I'd love to be there. I mean, glued all night, every day, taking in uh, Roland Garros 2021, but I'd love to be. This makes me feel like, when I went there a couple of years ago, this is the sort of music that makes me feel like I'm at uh, Roland Garros. So big show coming up uh, tonight. We've got an hour and a half again as we uh, dissect what has happened in week one, we look ahead to who's remaining in League Two. I'm looking at a young star. I've got screens everywhere. Leo Borg. He's not going to play in this year's French Open in the main draw, but he's playing in the juniors. The son of the grout beyond Borg. I'm watching him at the corner of my eye as well. one 736 736 one 736 736 if you want to... Give us a call because, uh, Mick, we've got some magnificent prizes. My man at the back uh, coming up uh, tonight, uh, certainly to give away. Got the Paul McNamee book. Uh, welcome to the dance. I've got five of those to give away. The Australian Tennis uh, Magazine. Got the Sunbless sunscreen. In fact, Mike from Sunbless is going to join me in the studio tonight to tell us all about it. The Tennis Direct voucher. I would love your take. We've got plenty of time for your calls amongst our guests tonight, but I'd love your take on what has been transpiring in Paris. one 736 736 or on the text 0433981116. There's a prize for you if you call in tonight. You call, we'll put you on in amongst our guests and we'd love you to have your say and certainly uh, contribute to the program. one 736 736 Coming up very soon, Nick Lester. He's uh, working for Eurosport, a great contributor on this program. Uh, Jed Setzer will talk about the Aussies because there's plenty that have vacated Paris who are making their way to other uh, destinations. And in just a moment, Anjabur's about to take to the court who's flying the flag for her country, Tunisia. Her data analyst, Shane Leonage, with some insights. I'm just double-checking if we've got Josh Gabalich on the ground. Uh, ready to go over in uh, Paris. We have, and he's courtside right now watching uh, Dylan Alcott. It's great timing, uh, Josh. You've been on the ground for the first serve all week, doing some magnificent work. Uh, the firstserve.com.au, all our socials, follow that. Real insights into how Roland Garros looks in 2021. And as I join you for the first time, we will do a few times throughout the next hour and a half. Uh, Dylan Alcott is the focus tonight because he is... The one Australian left, uh, Josh, trying to make it a three-peat in the quad singles, and he started in beautiful fashion. Welcome to you. Great to be with you again, Brett. Yes, he has. He hasn't had it all his own way, though. He's, it was a really difficult opening set, but he um, clawed his way back late and took it 6-4. So he's really animated. I mean, I've watched Dylan play a number of times before, but I've rarely seen him as animated. I mean, he doesn't have that home crowd advantage that he gets at Melbourne Park, especially late at that tournament, but he's really, really talking to himself a lot. So he's been quite impressive to sort of claw his way back, but still got plenty of work to do. He's up against his doubles partner, Sam Schroeder, the young Dutchman, who they lost in the final yesterday 
in the men's quad doubles. But um, yeah, so far so good. It's a beautiful, beautiful day out here in Paris. So no one's complaining, that's for sure. Uh, the weather does uh, look absolutely superb. And what, what's interesting about these outside courts, Josh, I mean, uh, obviously Dylan's played on some of the, the bigger courts, particularly at the Australian Open. There's not as much sort of runoff uh, the back is there. They've got the, the court covers at the back there. So Dylan loves to use that space. So the adjustments you've got to make um, in, in wheelchair tennis just with the room you have, because he loves to try and really sort of sit right back in the court. Yeah, you're right. He's a bit like a rough down the He uses behind the baseline to his advantage and really opens up the court. And it is a bit smaller here. But I'll tell you one thing that, that I've really noticed, and it would, the gates have only been open for a couple of hours, but there are a lot of... Uh, People in wheelchairs here today for this match and, and for this whole whole day. It's, it's been a really noticeable um, part of the morning, so it's fantastic to see. And we know what Dylan's done in that space. He's been incredible uh, across the last four or five, six years. So it's great to see here in Paris. We're going to come back to you. I've got a few things to talk to you throughout the hour, so we will come back. But what are you looking forward to today? When you when you woke up in Paris, had your croissant and whatever else you had for breakfast, Josh, what's, what grabbed you today is uh, the one you're really looking forward to, the match or the moment? I tell you, I'm really fascinated by these two Italian teenagers. They've really been the talk of this tournament in the past few days. And I'm talking about Lorenzo Musetti and Yannick Sinner, these two 19-year-olds yeah. who are up against two of the greatest players of all time today, Novak Djokovic and Rafael Nadal on court, Philippe Chatrier. So they're the two that I'm really excited in because they've got such bright futures in this game. Yannick Sinner's been around for a little while, even though he's 19. He's the 19th seed here. Yep. And he reached the quarterfinals last year and faced Nadal. So he's been here before, but Lorenzo Bissetti's really come from the clouds. It's been incredible what he's done so far this tournament. So they're the two matches that I'm really looking forward to. Coco Goff's obviously the other one as well because she's only 17. It feels like she's been around for four or five years now, and you have to remember she's only 17. So there's pretty great tennis <laughs> on day nine, so it's, it's a really exciting day. Yeah, we're loving the next generation. Uh, Shane Leenarch, Omshabur's data analyst coming up in just a moment. So what I want you to do, Josh, when I come back to you, you're updating Dylan for us, but I want you to also just sneak a, a little peek at Court 14. I'm watching on my monitor here, Leo Borg, uh, the son of the great Beyond Borg. He's striking back in the second set. He's number 21 in the world in juniors. He's a name, clearly, we're going to keep following of great interest. So if you can sneak a little peek of him as well, I'd love your analysis a little bit later on. He's definitely on my radar, that's for sure. Good man. Josh Gablich, he's on the spot for us in Paris. So uh, more to come uh, from Josh uh, throughout the hour. But as I mentioned, On Jabir from Tunisia is a, a tremendous story. She's got uh, outstanding uh, smarts, uh, court craft. She's flying the flag. I mean, the next ranked Tunisian is somewhere down in the 900s. So uh, she is an absolute ambassador for her country. She's had a coach for a while, but her data analyst is actually based here in Melbourne. His name is Shane Leonage from Data Driven Sports Analytics. I caught up with him just before the show because right now uh, he'll be in the midst of coding and tracking and watching every point. And then he basically presents a detailed report to the coach, uh, pulls apart the match, and he's been with ONS uh, for about the last, uh, what, uh, 12 to 18 months. So, uh, Shane Leonard, just a few moments ago, looking ahead to Onjabur and Coco Goff. He also does some work with Arena Sabalenka, so we talk about that and his thoughts on some of the matches tonight. Very big match against Coco Goff. It, it's it's one of those matchups where we've, we've played her a number of times. So in terms of for, for me, there's plenty of data on on the matchup itself. Again, big big test, big big court being on Philip Chatrier. So coming from I guess. Uh, matches on an outside court where the the courts do play a little bit different. I think there, there's a little bit of an adjustment required, but um, yeah, we're, we're certainly looking forward to it. When you look at a, a player like uh, Coco, I mean, she's doing some incredible things. Uh, one in Italy in the build-up. Here she is inside the top 30 at just 17. It's been an amazing story. And we've got this you know, young talent on the men's side as well. So the next generation are arriving. It's, it's a bright sort of next 10 to 15 years in both men's and women's tennis. But what do you sort of look at in terms of Coco and, you know, some of the threats that she she poses uh, to Ons tonight? Yeah, look, one of the things, and we saw it the last few times that we've, we've played her, she's just got incredible mental strength. Um, she, she can go behind. So the first Ons played her was in Lexington last year. Um, we're up a set. We're really in control of that match. And she just kept digging in, holding serve, 
just clawing away and then had a little bit of a momentum swing in the second set and that's all she needed. And, and, and you see that in a lot of her matches. I think she's played the most deciding set matches um, or one of the most in the last 12 months. She just seems to, to have a knack for clawing and, and at her age, that's quite impressive. Um, she's got yeah, the other, other, I guess, threat that we, we've certainly looked at is her foot speed. She, she can get to a lot of, lot of balls. So um, with a player like Ons who, who likes to use the drop shot, we're looking at situations where we can use it smartly because um, she, we know she's going to get to most of them. So uh, we want to be playing them in a situation where we, we, we know we, we've got a good next shot after that or, or she's so far behind the baseline that it is effective, but we don't want to be overusing it. So in Ons's case, it was a, a, a great reset from her after dropping that first set to Magda Lynette, the beneficiary of Barty uh, having to withdraw from the tournament. And obviously, just, just watching without any data in front of me, Shane, watching that first set, obviously there were some errors in the in the game and she was able to eradicate those. We know she brings so much variety to the tennis court. How did, how did you see that three-set encounter? Yeah, it was a bit strange. It started off really well. She, she got up a break and, in fact, in, in the first couple of games she, she could have been quite easily up 4-1 um but she, she she wasn't and then um yeah immediately after breaking i think magna just ra- raised her level and and ons um started maybe mi- missing a little bit more just with the the pressure that she was getting from from magna a little bit more and then um yeah it was, it was good to, to to reset the second set um she started off really well and and really never um sort of let that sort of momentum go after that um for, for the rest of the match so uh, I think we, we took a lot out of that, given, I guess, the last couple of weeks that she, she wasn't playing matches. So um, it, it was one of those encounters where she was pushed um, and she found a way to respond and, and I guess, keep the momentum. So we're very glad with that. So for those that haven't heard you on our show before, based in Melbourne, data-driven sports analytics, you're doing some great things, not only with Anshabur, but some other players. I'll have a quick chat about that in a sec. But you're liaising with her coach, and this is becoming more common now that data analysts are sort of part of a coaching uh, setup. Just give us a, a feel of that dynamic, and even that dynamic since we last spoke. Is it still the same nature? Has it changed in any way? But obviously you formed a, a pretty good relationship with her and her camp. Yeah, I mean, with with that relationship now with the ONS team, it's um, it's been it's nearly twenty months. So it, it's it's one of the I guess what I'd say a bit more mature. There's a bit more trust, I guess, um, from their side in terms of what what I bring to the table. So yeah, in ter- in terms of the, there's match preparation work within a tournament where we're scouting and, and talking after each match, maybe a little bit of a match review as well. But in between tournaments, we're also talking about what, what to do in a training block, what areas to focus on. But yeah, in terms of if, if you want a, an idea of what I do, I guess uh, after uh, a match finishes, I'm, I'm looking at the draw, who she's playing next, get a bit of data on that, prepare a bit of a report, show some video to the coach. We might chat on Zoom for, for 10, 15 minutes, and then I'd watch the match and make sure I'm taking enough notes. Um, so when I'm capturing the data from that, I, I've, I've got some insights to and some, I guess, some communication points for the coach as well. There's a, a guy called uh, Mike James who's working with Igish for Yontech, and, and there's others around I probably don't even know about, uh, Shane. I mean, have you, have you seen it grow now amongst uh, players bringing in someone of your sort of calibre? Yeah, look, I, I think certainly the top 20 on both tours have analytics in some shape or form. So yep. what I mean, that they either have sort of a company or an analyst on their team or they have the federations provide them analytics. So I think Tennis Australia provides their their mm. players um, access to that sort of information. So I think most players have it. What I think has changed in the last 12 months, um, particularly since I think the COVID lockdown, is the prominence of it. So there's players are vocalising a little bit more. And yeah, it's uh, it's it's certainly, it's growing. Uh, and, and I think now you know, the players rank 50 to 100, the 100 to 150, they are seeing it as the necessary in yep. their teams. Um, it's, they're, they're, they're introducing it. And, and I'm fortunate enough to work with, you know, players in that sort of top 20 bracket, 50 to 100 and the 100 to 150. And, and what you provide is a little bit different given what they can afford, but mm. uh, they are certainly in- incorporating it now. Arena Sabalenka, I'm really bullish about Sabalenka. I've said for a while, I think she can absolutely win a Grand Slam. I love her intensity. I just love her competitiveness. And there's times when I watch her and I go... I want you to pull back a fraction, but I love when she pulls the trigger and she's trying to find this balance and she's added a little bit of subtlety and touch 
tell us about how that sort of relationship formed. And she's bombed out earlier than she would have liked. I mean, she's set for a great future and what she's already won 10 titles at a very young age. Firstly, I think the relationship started in, in, in January and I, and I want to put a shout out to my co-host from Crunching the Numbers, Mark Sapolis, who actually made it happen. He he um, saw the synergies, I guess, with, with what I'm doing and, and, and thought, it could be a, a valuable addition to that team. So they connected us in January. We started working at the Australian Open um, and we've had, uh, I guess, some, some good success along the way. When I started with them, it was obviously very different to the relationship with Isam and the ONS team because it's a completely different player, I think, as Abilenka is a very much a power athlete uh, built around, you know, using the power of both the forehand and backhand and serve to really uh, take control of the point from 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 the get-go. So just trying to, I guess, understand her game. It took me a while, I think, with getting sufficient data and to get getting a good idea of the patterns. Um, and I guess the big project for us, she had traditionally been considered a, not great on clay. So uh, one of the things that Anton and I, so Anton's, Anton Dubrov's the coach, um, we, we, we worked at the start of the clay court season around patterns that we could use to get her to, to play better on clay. And, um, and you know, she started off really well, made the final in the, of the, the Porsche um, event in, in Germany and then, um, you know, beat uh, Ash Barty in the final of, of Madrid. So started off really well. And, and I guess when you've got the expectation so high after some good results, the, the result at Roland Garros was certainly not where we wanted to be, but I'm a glass full, half full kind of guy. So I feel like there's an improvement from, from the last clay season and there's some takeaways to, to give her a good shot on clay next year. I'm bullish about it. I think she's uh, she's a star in the making and her time is uh, going to come. So as I leave you, just the players left in the tournament, give us a, a bit of a feel of just how you see what is left as we turn the page into the second week and and just your own sort of analysis, your own uh, attention to detail on them. Yeah, look, I, I think on the, on the women's side, Iga Schwantek is, uh, she's building um, and, 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 and really, it's it's almost the, the pivot point was the the match points or, or being very close to defeat against Krejcikova in in I think it was Rome, um, mm. and she somehow got out of that. And since that point, she's been streamrolling most opponents. Um, so she's going to be hard to beat. If there's anything for any of the other athletes, I think she's not quite at the same level she as she was last year. And you've seen that within sets. Contivate had some good chances. I think Yuan in in in, in the first round had some good chances. So. There's a little bit of a window for the other players, but um, I'd be, yeah, she, she'd be, she'll be a very hard player to beat. And um, certainly if uh, Ons gets that far, I've got my work cut out and uh, Miss Summer will have to really be digging, <laughs> digging to try and find some insights for that one. In terms of tonight's other matches, I think Sloan Stevens, Krejcikova is probably one that I've got highlighted, not only because that's a potential next opponent, but interesting clash of styles. You've got Sloan, who who is an incredible athlete, will drag the point on, um, and you saw that against Mokova, just made it a long, grueling match, and, and she just won the longer rallies. And Krejcikova, um, who, who's been playing fantastically, great improvement this year, she's got a great forehand and will, will want to, to not sort of get into that trap with Sloan. So I feel like a bit of a chess battle there, and, and I'm... Yeah, really keen to see who gets out on top in that. Thank you, Shane. I'll let you get to work. You've got to watch Ons and uh, how she goes about it. And that big battle with Coco Goff, a great way to start uh, a huge Monday in Paris. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Brett. Great show. Thanks. There he is, uh, of course, uh, Shane Leonage, data-driven sports analytics. He's doing some great work in Melbourne. He's also working with a young Finnish player, Emil Rissavori, who's a uh, uh, a young one we're going to keep an eye on. So as that interview is unfolding, and I did chat with Shane prior to the show, Om Jabir is out on court against Coco Golf, and the young 17-year-old is already out to a three-love lead. Who knows what she might be able to do uh, in this tournament. So a uh, big night of uh, tennis ahead. Of course, Sloane Stevens, Barbara Krichakova, we'll keep an eye on that. And on Suzanne Longlin, of course, the other main court in Paris, Diego Schwartzman, Jan Lennart Struff to come, Sophia Kenna, Maria Sakari will be... A great battle a little bit later on. Sakari, uh, one of the fittest uh, going around. Uh, Willpower got her a win in the last round. And Kenan, we haven't really spoken about. She's actually uh, just sort of flying under the radar. Former Australian Open champion. Hasn't had a great year on tour. Uh, split with her dad recently as coach. Uh, wanting to go in a different direction. And Sophia, though, during this tournament, is starting to find uh, just a bit of her old form of uh, last year. And we can't wait, as Josh Gabalich said off the top, the two young Italians tonight taking on two of the greatest of all time, Djokovic and Musetti. Have you seen a couple of the shots that Lorenzo Musetti played in the last round? Absolutely phenomenal. And Yannick Sinner, 
who have been singing his praises for the best part of 12 to 18 months, taking on the great uh, Rafael Nadal. Uh, Nick Lester from Eurosport to join us uh, very shortly. We'll get back to uh, Paris and courtside with uh, Dylan Alcott going very nicely as he tries to get a three-peat at the French Open. 6-4-3-1 Dylan leading at the moment. You're listening to the first serve. I'd love to take your calls. Plenty of prizes to give away. 1-300-736-736. The first serve. Your home of tennis for first serve tennis sunscreen. A quality Australian-made sunscreen to protect those that love their tennis at sunblessunscreens.com.au and GLG Green Life Group, your open space specialists at glgcorp.com. Uh, very nice to be here on a Monday night, the first serve, a regular part of the SEN menu, 8 o'clock, extended through to 930 uh, tonight, I'm feeling like I'm in Paris. I'm a long way from it, but uh, the pitch is coming in all week. Uh, certainly makes us want to uh, travel again uh, quick, smart. And I'm going to have uh, Mike very shortly from Sunbless Sunscreens and our first serve tennis sunscreen, who are major partners of our show, as you hear in the intros and uh, coming out of the breaks every week. And I'm surrounded by a uh, sunscreen in the studio. So Michael, tell us all about it because he's been a magnificent supporter of our show for the last uh, six months. We've got that to give away, the Australian Tennis Magazine, uh, Paul McNamee's book. We spoke to Macca on the show last week. Welcome to the dance, uh, Master Clay to Master Tennis. We've got five copies of that to give away. The Tennis Direct Voucher, it's a smorgasbord. Let us know, uh, one 736 736 We'd love to take your calls. Let's go to uh, a man who's my, one of my favourites on the show. He's a regular contributor, and his name is Nick Lester, working for many uh, different outlets commentating tennis. He's with Eurosport for this French Open. Uh, Nick, it's great to have you back on the show. Thanks for having me, Brett. How have you seen the first week, just from your own lens, uh, Nick? It's not been short on stories, is it, Brett? That's for sure. It's not, it's not, it's not been quiet, uh, 100%. Of course, it started with a bang. Um, yep. I think conditions have been quick. Brett, I think it's the first thing to say. You know, we like to deep, we take deep, deep dive into the sport. I think conditions have been quick in Paris, Brett. Very different from last year. In the autumn, where it was cold, it was heavy. And, you know, one thing we both know is that climatically, when when it does get hot, it's a different court. The clay court's a different environment. You know, the, 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 tactically things change a little bit. And I think it certainly has helped the bigger servers to, to you know, play slightly more aggressive brand of tennis. So I think there's that to be said. Um, men's side obviously took a few hits early doors. I mean, let's be honest, there's been a lot of hits, haven't there, from both sides in terms of the big names. A fair few of them falling by the wayside. But I think... Um, I mean, fascinating conclusion. It certainly looks on the men's side as though it's, for me, it's, it's Rafa or Novak, obviously, in that top half. And, and Sitsibas Medvedev's a fascinating one in the bottom half. Um, and you've got to say, Iga Sviontek looks very good, yeah. doesn't she, in terms of the women's draw. You know, there's a few names you can throw in the mix, but Iga has looked rock solid so far. Yeah, I'm bullish about Iga. I love her game. And uh, she's going to play in the night session, uh, which will be different for her. No crowd. And she's still alive in the doubles as well. So uh, she's uh, consuming a fair bit of tennis. So just on, on Nadal, I mean, you know, I get asked mm. this every day, uh, Nick, in several radio interviews, who's going to win the men's? And you have to start, obviously, with him top billing. But compared to other French Opens, you're looking at him in week one. You're looking at what Novak's uh, producing... Does it feel like it's still an invincibility about Nadal or are you sort of just going into the second week thinking anything could still happen and that Rafa's not an absolute Monty? Where do you sit? You know, I think the picture's very similar to when when I last spoke to you, Brett, three weeks ago after the Rome final. I don't think a lot's changed. I think the first week for these guys is about negotiating their way through, finding their best tennis. Listening to the way Novak has been speaking, to me, he sounds very, very confident, quietly confident. But I think the way he's speaking and where he's at with his game, I feel as though he's in a very good place. Rafa, same story for Rafa. You know, neither guy's been particularly challenged so far. Rafa looked good against Cam Norrie. You know, Cam's obviously had a great year, but mm. he doesn't really have the weaponry on a clay court to be able to trouble Rafa. So I sense that, you know, I've got a very quiet feeling that Djokovic is in a really, really good place right now with his tennis. Um, he has spent his entire career, Brett, as we know, trying to force his way through the duopoly and has done so and, and added extra value to it as well. And I sense that his frame of mind, uh, he, I think he's in a very good place. I really do. I think game style, you know, there's so many aspects to the Nadal-Djokovic rivalry, if we get there, that are that are so unique in terms of they both know each other so well. Um, I just sense that Djokovic, for me, it feels like 
he's building, and I think he's building very nicely right now. And um, that's why I feel if anyone's going to beat Nadal here, I think it's going to be the Serb. Yeah, it's uh, hard to disagree with that. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. if you want to join the tennis conversation. We'll get to you, Julie, in just a moment. Anyone else that uh, calls in, prizes for everyone. Your take on the tennis, Dylan Alcott on the verge of victory. We'll get back to Josh Gavlich uh, courtside at watching uh, Dylan in the quad wheelchair singles. The one I'm looking forward to, and I watched both so intensely last night, the win by Stefano Tsitsipas and the win by Medvedev, the man who you know, said, mm-hmm. oh, I hate clay and it gets me dirty and I've never won in Paris. I don't particularly like the clay. I'll tell you what, I reckon he's falling in love with the clay match by match. He is uh, looking magnificent, Medvedev. And we saw that Australian Open semi where he dismantled uh, Pass in those first two sets. When you look at their weeks together... What sort of quarterfinal are you expecting? That one's mouth-watering. Personally, I think on a clay court, I still have Sitsipas as a favourite. I know their head-to-head is 6-1. I think the only win, I think, was uh, the only time they played on clay previously was a couple of years ago, wasn't it? I want to say Monte Carlo, possibly Barcelona, and, and Medvedev won that one in three. I do feel, though, as though, despite what you say, and you're absolutely right about Medvedev, I still feel as though the clay court nuances that perhaps might be required in this matchup do favour Sitsipas. I feel like he's just a bit more comfortable on the surface. There's no doubt, Brett, as well, that the returner serve is a crucial aspect for Sitsipas. It remains for me mm. on a faster surface, his weakest side. Yep. And on a clay court, he gets more time. He has more time to return. That is going to be a huge factor against Medvedev because obviously Medvedev's been serving well. Sitsipas is going to make more balls than their, than their previous matchups for sure. Um, so I just feel slightly that, Mev- that Sitsipas. For me, on a court, this spring, of course he has, we know that. And I just feel this surface, on, on the day at the moment, with conditions being as they are, I feel like Tsitsipas just slightly has the edge. Medvedev has played great, and I think, again, you know, conditions being quicker, it's been hotter, that's played into his hands. Medvedev's played tennis. You know, you know I think what's interesting, Brett, is that over the years, for me, I feel as though top players have adapted their games to clay more so than Clay adapting to them, if that makes any yeah. sense. And yeah. I think Medvedev is almost at a stage now where he said, you know what, my game's good enough on Clay. When I get a couple of wins, I'm feeling confident. I don't need to change a lot. My, my base game is going to beat 95, 95% of the players out there. And I think that's what he did against Garen yesterday, if you look at that match. He played this match like he did in a hard court. There's not a lot of change. There's no. not a lot of nuances to it. He played like he did in a hard court. And he had too much for Garen because he's a better player than Garen. He mm. moves better. He makes more balls. Fine's got a better serve. So all those things come into play. In saying that, I just feel as though Sitsipas's confidence is at an all-time high right now. And I feel like that the return of serve is going to be a big factor for him. If he can make a lot more returns, I feel that he has the physicality and, and the added subtleties on a clay court to get the better of Medvedev. A great match. I'm looking forward to it tomorrow. I just want to get your take on the Roger Federer situation. Uh, it's sort of um, mm. in a 24-7 talkback station like SEN. It's uh, been a topic of discussion uh, today. There's those who say it's disrespectful. If you're going to enter a tournament, you should mm. play it out. There are others who say, well, hang on, hang on. There should be different rules for Roger. There should be an exemption. Roger is uh, one of the greatest of all time. He should get to make a call on what he chooses and chooses not to play. Where, where do you sit? on what transpired over the weekend? Brett, I think we have to look at the big picture in this sport sometimes. We're all fans of different players. We in the media like to look at, or hopefully like to look at the big picture. He's been a guy that's moved the needle in this sport like perhaps no other male player in history along with Rafa. Yep. He's 39. We, the sport, needs Roger to keep playing. If, he, if, he, if we could all sign a contract... And I'm, not, I'm, not a, I'm a fan of tennis like you are. Mm-hmm. If we could all sign our contract to have Roger play for two more years, keep himself healthy, we'd all do it. So for me, I have no issue with it. Absolutely no issue. It's, he's, he's out there on his own. These guys are sole traders. They're working on their own. They have to look after their bodies. We're the sport is very, very lucky to have Roger Federer playing tennis. So if we get him a, a good, healthy for Wimbledon, that's how I see it. I understand the other side of the point as well. I totally see the other side of the coin. But I think in the big picture, Brett, Federer has to look after himself. He has to look after his body. We want him to keep playing. The sport needs him to keep playing overall. And I think for me, I have no problem with it. Okay. No, I like it. I, uh, I said, uh, I've done about 10 radio crosses today, and I said, uh, absolutely. We, we, are, we want him to play as long as he possibly can. And uh, there's been nothing put in front of us that says, I'm going to be retiring in six months, 12 months, eight months. Uh, we don't know when the finish line is totally for Roger. And just to watch some of the tennis he's played in Paris this week, 
it is just a beautiful thing to still watch him uh, grace a tennis court. Nick, thank you. Uh, you'll be doing some great work on Eurosport right throughout the week and uh, always appreciate your insights. Pleasure, Brett. Nick Lester on the ground over covering at the French Open. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 Julie, you've been hanging on very patiently for us. Appreciate it. Thank you. What have you got for us, Julie? Oh, I'm, I'm a bit too excited now because uh, Dylan's uh, yes. serving for the match. So, um, oh, look, I think the French Open this year has just been, um, it's full of stories, I have to say. I can't wait for Dylan to win this match, which I'm pretty sure he's going to do. Um, but I, I know I'm kind of barracking for the Greek duo for the winners, or at least someone new, Skari and Tsitsipas and... Uh, I'm hoping that they'll be able to at least get through the next round because I think that'll add a little bit more excitement to both sides of the field. And uh, on the Fed situation, yep. I'm actually in the, probably in the minority. I'm, I'm really angry because I think as much as we want Fed to continue playing for as long as possible, mm-hmm. I don't think he did his opponent um, from the previous round a favour by you know, um, you know, pulling out just before his next match, I think if he was going to pull out, if he was going to pull out, he should have done it before he uh, finished his previous match. But, you know, um, I think he's got too many supporters and I don't think there's going to be too much criticism. I'm also very sad about Ash, but them's the break. So yep. um, I guess anyone who's been following tennis as long as I have uh, knows that she'll come up and yes. get back and uh, do do well next time. Indeed. Uh, just on the women's side, uh, Barbora Krichikova, who's won two uh, Grand Slam doubles titles, she has dismantled Sloane Stephens 6 2 6 love in the last hour. She is having some sort of tournament through to the quarters. Coco Goff has taken the first set 6 3 against On Jabur. Julie, thank you. I'm going to put you back to Aaron. We'll get some prizes uh, for you, so um, we'll get all your details, and that'll all be uh, coming out. Uh, let's get to Josh Gablich, who is uh, courtside. Uh, Josh, uh, Dylan Alcott. He's just got the job done out here on court twelve, Brad, and celebrated the win because big deep. The scoreline doesn't reflect how big a challenge it was, so he's thrilled, as you can imagine. He only came over from Australia last Sunday, so... A really short, I'm sure you can hear the noise in the background. Yeah. A lot of people here on this uh, outside court. And he's thrilled. He's now a three time Roland Garros champ and a 13 time Grand Slam singles winner in the quad men's. So, fantastic achievement. He's going around for the ball boys right now. He's, he's such a character, Dylan, as we know, and really celebrating. He's got a couple of members of his team here. I've spoken to him before. They're going to go straight across the grass. From here, obviously not going to go home like some players, given the travel issues with coming home. So, now nah, he's thrilled, as you can imagine. And the interesting part of it was he, he's knocked off his doubles partner, the, the young Dutch star from from Holland, who's only 21. They lost in the men's yeah. doubles on this court yesterday. So, a, a terrific result for Dylan. It is. Josh, I'm going to see... Uh... If you can grab a chat with uh, Dylan, I'll leave that to you and see what you can uh, come up with for us at court. So we might even try and get Dylan live, if possible, or we can record him and turn it around the next hour and bring uh, a bit of Dylan Alcott. Uh, we'll see how we go. Josh Gablich, we'll get back to him very soon. On the ground for us on Match Point for Dylan Alcott, a three-peat in Paris in the quad singles. Well done. He celebrated in style on a beautiful day in Paris. A break. Uh, back with plenty more. And your calls, one 736 736 Week 2, Roland Garros. The First Serve, your home of tennis for First Serve Tennis Sunscreen. A quality Australian-made sunscreen to protect those that love their tennis at sunblessunscreens.com.au and GLG Green Life Group, your open space specialists at glgcorp.com. Welcome back to First Serve Monday night. We've rolled into week two of Roland Garros. Uh, Brett Phillips with you. You can follow us through our website right throughout the week. Log on daily, thefirstserve.com.au. Follow us on the socials, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. It's just a rolling coverage of the Aussies and the game globally. As we just heard on the grounds of Roland Garros, a win to Dylan Alcott, a three-peat. There was one just on the text. If it takes seven matches for the men's or the women to win a Grand Slam title, how many does it take to win a quad wheelchair Grand Slam title. Well, Dylan played uh, one match, won that, and then you're into the final. So it is, it's a uh, yeah smaller field. Obviously, there's also Andy Lapthorne, David Wagner, who have been going around for quite some time. In fact, Wagner and Lapthorne beat uh, Alcott and Schroeder in the doubles final yesterday. But Dylan has saluted 
in uh, the uh, men's singles final. How about Coco Goff? She is going beautifully, the 17-year-old. Live at the moment, 6-3, one love up against Jabir. So if Shane Leonage is listening in, we spoke to him about half an hour. He's been doing the data and analytics for Jabir tonight. He'll be uh, a busy boy just uh, pulling this one apart. And Abora Krichikova, what a win over Sloane Stevens. He's actually looked decent this tournament, but when she stinks it up, Sloane... It's a horrendous scoreline for a, a Grand Slam winner at the US Open and the French Open finalist. So Greg has been holding on in beautiful Strathbogie. G'day, Greg. G'day, mate. What a fabulous show. How much detail do you cover and uh, the head spinning? But um, we've got a great Australian champion and congratulations to Dylan doing it again. Three Pete. I don't care how many people are in the tournament. That's a great effort. It is. You know, look, he's been a great ambassador and this will be... Fascinating because he wants to get to obviously to Tokyo to the Olympics. How long he keeps playing, I don't know. But yeah, look, he's been an incredible ambassador, Greg, for his sport. And think back to the US Open last year when they were trying to decide are we going to go ahead? Are we going to have crowds? Are we going to have the full complement of all draws? And they were going to leave out the wheel, the wheelies. And Dylan said, no, 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 we're, we're part of the tournament. You keep us in. And he really went into bat and yeah, he's, uh, he's left a, a tremendous legacy and, and given his sport, um, some real notoriety. So, no, hats off to him. And he's a real character. I had the privilege of having a chat to him a couple of weeks ago before he left and uh, had a big entourage around him and he was carrying the day. And, yeah, he's fantastic for the sport. He is, my friend. Anything else uh, you've got for us tonight? Yeah, just had a, a, that, a thought with that uh, data analyzing things in the davis cup you're allowed to do that online real time so um i I think that might be the future of tennis where you're not waiting for after the match to see what's going on but the future of tennis will be that um you'll be able to communicate that information in some way down the track and that'll be tremendously exciting it's interesting greg we've seen at the next gen finals where they've trialed a few things in the last few years we've seen where the player uh, sits down at the uh, the end of the set. He has the headset on. He can actually talk to the coach, uh, which is great. And also there's a little iPad set up courtside where the player can actually look at some uh, stats. I don't know how detailed those stats are, but you know, that's, that's the way probably we're going to head, although the traditionalists would love... Uh, for no coach player communication because of that, you know, the gladiatorial nature of tennis. You're out there, you fight your own battle, but you know, I think it'll uh, it'll probably uh, come in time. Greg, thank you. Life good in Strathbogie, beautiful part of the world. Good on you, mate. Magnificent. Uh, one of our great listeners, uh, Elvin, has joined us in Doncaster. Elvin, uh, welcome to the first serve. Hey, how are you? Very well, thank you. Yeah, but there have been quite some discussion about disappearing of clay courts and then it doesn't help the development of junior players or good players in Australia. I'm just wondering what's your take on this. I mean, there's a lot of council actually putting pressure on tennis club to convert their autocar court into synthetic grass or synthetic clay court. And from the discussion online, it seems like clay is a way to, to go about developing world-class tennis players. But we are putting clay courts away every day. It's a fascinating topic, and it's one we have discussed a bit before. And Paul McNamee on the show uh, last week, and I'll give you a copy of his book, Elvin, for calling in uh, tonight. He believes that the green Hartrew clay courts are the ones we should have here that suit the Australian conditions better. Now, obviously around Australia, we've got a different climate wherever, depending where you live. Uh, the clay courts are an expensive uh, setup to put in and to maintain, there's no doubt about that. So the synthetic grass that we see at a lot of tennis clubs is much easier, but it's not really developing our players like it should. So I think I think everyone's in agreement that we definitely need more clay courts in Australia. That That is how you learn the game properly. And then our Australians can head overseas with some good grounding on the clay. But I don't have the, all the financial information around that as to what that would uh, cost. And to maintain, certainly it is more uh, in terms of the watering and, and so forth. Um but it's a must. We've got to we've got to get to a better level. I mean, the Italians, the Spaniards, the South Americans—they grow up on this stuff. They love it, and we we want to see Australians have more success, not just some fleeting success at the French Open or the clay court tournaments. So, 
Um, it's a topic that will continue to sort of bubble around that we'll uh, continue to explore. Good on you, Elvin. Thank you. I'll put you back to Aaron. Some prizes coming your way as well. A quick break. Uh, Mike from Sunbless Sunscreens coming up next here on The First Serve. The First Serve, your home of tennis for First Serve Tennis Sunscreen. A quality Australian-made sunscreen to protect those that love their tennis at sunblessunscreens.com.au and GLG Green Life Group. Your open space specialists at glgcorp.com. Roland Garros week two. Coco Goff, 6-3-3-1. The 17-year-old might be bound for the quarterfinals on Philippe Chatrier, the main court. And Jan Lennart Struff, love the big German. He's taking on the littlest man in the business. Uh, Diego Schwartzman leading him 2-1 at the moment. Barbara Krichikova is already through. Dylan Alcott's a three-time quad wheelchair singles winner at the French. That's a very nice thing to have on the resume. Well, as you're here, as coming back out of the break, uh, we have been, uh, we've had a fantastic partnership the last six months with Sunbless Sunscreens. And they've got a number of sunscreens for specific sports. And one of them is the First Serve Tennis Sunscreen. It's fantastic to have the Managing Director of Sunbless Sunscreens, uh, Michael Sharp, in the studio. He's got the cap on. We've got sunscreen everywhere. Mike, uh, great to have you actually in here. And it's uh, been fantastic to have uh, your support, of course, across the last six months. Yeah, great to be here, Brett, and see what goes on behind the scenes. What do you think? It's all very interesting. Great job. <laughs> bit chaotic. It's live radio. And- it happens. So tell us about the the product and how how you came to create uh, the first serve tennis sunscreen, but you've also got sunscreens for a number of other sports as well. Yeah, it, it came about in a bit of a funny way, actually. I was uh, in corporate life as a managing director for about 30 years and then retired around uh, October 19 and then wanted to keep my brain active, was looking for different opportunities and really stumbled across it. I had some issues with skin cancer myself. I'm a crazy mad golfer. So one thing sort of led to another. I just started to explore it. So I come up with the um, the reference to first across all products. So that's what we do. We have first tee golfer sunscreen and first yep. serve tennis sunscreen. That's uh, basically how it was born, and it's it's taken off pretty quickly. Yeah, tell us, uh, and we'll do this in a couple of segments because we're going to get to a break before uh, nine o'clock. But you've met a lot of people in tennis in the last uh, 12 months. You've travelled sort of far and wide trying to immerse yourself in the tennis community. So tell us about the product, first of all, First yep. Serve Tennis Sunscreen. We've got a few more to give away uh, tonight. And how you've sort of got to know the tennis community, if you like. Yeah, the sunscreen, again, if I was going to do something, I want to do it properly. Uh, so I went to a number of manufacturers, tried a lot of different samples of sunscreen, specifically looking for something that rubbed in easily, but also did not leave any residue on your hands. Being a golfer, I uh, didn't want anything to slip. Yep. Same for their tennis players. And I suppose when you look at it, if you go to our website, you'll you'll see that our, our business is basically based on health and well-being as a sunscreen, but also the support of grassroots sport across all sports. So getting immersed in tennis in Victoria has been just, uh, one, an education, um, but two, meeting different people and going to different tennis clubs to see how they're going, how they're struggling, and and how we can help with the sunscreen product to bring some revenue into the clubs has also been a big thing. So tell us about some of the reaction out there, because you've travelled to some sort of, I think, the the Easter tournament you went to. Yeah, in Echuca. Yeah, which uh, gets massive numbers. Unfortunately, Country Week had to get cancelled this week, but fingers crossed... uh, That'll be right to go up in Swan Hill uh, next year, which attracts uh, you know people from all over Australia. But just tell us about the the reaction to the sunscreen, and just w- maybe what 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 have you taken away from just tennis people getting to know them out there who uh, are at the coal face of the game? Yeah, it's a community. Is the the first thing I would say. Um, the Achuca tennis tournament for us was was great. Getting the product introduced, uh, everybody took an interest. Um, a lot of people bought. Um, a lot of people love love the sunscreen, like the idea, um, the marketing idea of a first serve, of course. But again, it gets back to the sunscreen itself. Um, they're not going to buy a sunscreen if it's not a good sunscreen and, and does what we said it's going to do. So we're just very, very grateful for the support we've got from all the tennis clubs. It wasn't only Echuca. We were in Robinvale of, mm. a, a, as well. Um, they were great support, even down to Selby um, yep. uh, recently, uh, helping them out one of their tournaments. I think... We've actually been to about, supported 29 different tournaments so far Great. since January. Let's pick this up after the break. 
because uh, we've got an extended show, of course, during uh, Roland Garros. We're through to 9.30. Jed Setz is going to join us soon to talk the Aussies because there's plenty of them and there's a few other bits of uh, tennis news uh, floating around. But uh, we'll have a chat to Mike more about the first serve tennis sunscreen. We've got that to give away, the Australian Tennis Magazine. We've got copies of Paul McNamee's book, The Tennis Direct Voucher, one 736 736 What has happened week one of Roland Garros? What are you looking forward to week two? Who's the name that jumps out? might want to weigh in on Roger Federer. Anything you want to have a chat about, prizes to give away, we're still going. one 736 736 Join us uh, after the break here on SEN. The First Serve, your home of tennis for First Serve Tennis Sunscreen. A quality Australian-made sunscreen to protect those that love their tennis at sunblessunscreens.com.au and GLG Green Life Group, your open space specialists at glgcorp.com. The first serve, Roland Garros week two. Brett Phillips with you. one 736 736 Live at the moment, Coco Goff on the verge of victory. In fact, she's got a match point right now, 6-3-5-1. An absolute demolition of Anjabur, the Tunisian. We'll keep an eye on that on Philippe Chatrier, the main court. Jan Lennart Struff, four games to one leads. Diego Schwartzman, Barbora Krichikova. Uh, absolute surprise packet in the singles draw. Very good doubles play. She's been a solid singles player, but we never thought we'd probably get to this level at a Grand Slam. Uh, 6-2-6 love against Sloane Stephens a little bit earlier. So uh, fascinating tournament. Some fascinating storylines still to come as Coco Goff has sent one round the toes of Ons Jabeur. What a shot to win it. And the 17-year-old who could find her way into the top 20, that would be... An incredible story. So well under young uh, Coco Goff. And we've got the two young Italians to come today, Musetti to take on Djokovic and Sinner to take on Nadal. So we are blessed with some uh, great tennis on uh, day nine of the French Open. Jed Zetz is going to talk some Aussies very soon just to see where they are because they've all vacated uh, Paris. They're on to the grass in preparation for uh, Wimbledon. Uh, Michael Sharp, of course, Managing Director of Sunbless Sunscreens is in the studio with me. First serve tennis sunscreen, great supporters of our show the last six months. Mike, just at uh, Clubland out there, you've been talking to a lot of people who are at the coalface of these clubs and they're so passionate about mm. their clubs. They know who Ash Barty is, they know who Kyrgios and everyone else. And they might go to a few days at the Australian Open and you know, maybe even travel to some tournaments uh, you know, around the world when they're in their travels, but... They live and breathe their tennis clubs. What, what is going on out there? And, and I suppose their challenge of continuing to, to finance their operation, because unlike other sports where there's sort of support of council in a lot of ways when you play these seasonal sports where they say, okay, need a pavilion upgrade, well, we'll chip in X amount. Mm. You need to get the goalposts done, whatever. But tennis clubs, uh, from my understanding, have largely been responsible for their own facilities. Yeah, I can only comment on the feedback that I get from the people that contact us, Brett, and most of the time they're reaching out for help. Um, how, how can we help them? We, we offer support because we're very passionate about supporting grassroots um, sports clubs and in particular tennis. But we do hear that a lot of the smaller clubs are really, really struggling. If they've got a couple hundred members, they, they keep going to the world to get money from their members and the members can only give so much. Mm. So we're trying to help out with different ways of um, bringing some revenue in, either through, um, again, giving them prizes to give away, sometimes cash, but we, we don't, there's not, you can't brand cash, so we don't like to give too much cash away. We'd rather give product away, but also working on different things so they can raise revenue through, you know, instead of doing their barbecues or doing a chocolate drive as a fundraiser, we're working on a model of doing a fundraiser with sunscreen. Um, which could bring in some significant dollars for clubs that have a reasonable amount of members who are willing to get out and sell in their community. So that's one of the things that we have on the table at the moment. But all that's about is putting money back into the club. Yep, which is uh, which is really, really uh, vital. I mean, and you talked about through all your products, really connecting with the grassroots. That's mm. where you want to work sort of from bottom up. Yep, absolutely. So and that's where most fun is. Um, I see it as a cycle. So the more sunscreen we can sell, the more money that we can put back into grassroots sport. And I, I, I don't want to leave today without mentioning junior sport because yeah. it's another huge passion that, that we have. So at that grassroots level, um, we don't have sport unless we concentrate on growing the juniors because the sport at some point will go away if juniors don't want to play it. So we have a big concentration in supporting junior tournaments wherever we can. Clubs, they want to come to us and ask for some support for junior sport. 
uh, very willing to talk to them. Okay, yeah. Junior sport, um, it's a passion of mine. You know that, Mike. We've discussed this off air quite a bit. And we do have something we're going to be working on in the second half of the year with another partner that's also going to be coming on board. I'll tell people more about that in the next uh, three or four weeks. And we want to, um, we want to certainly uh, support um, you know, the, the young juniors out there, the ones who are, um, who are coming through and, and helping their pathway. Because uh, number one, it's sort of, you know, you want kids to stay in the sport and particularly a sport like tennis, the sport for life. Mm. Um, but it's also it's such a tough sport to make it professionally, and uh, anywhere we can sort of uh, help harness that, because there's you know there's parents out there who uh, would look at this and go, "Gee, my son or daughter's got enormous talent, uh, but it's an expensive um, path to go down to, uh, and a lot of sacrifice for their their kids to be successful." So it's a fascinating mm. space, isn't it? Yeah, and the thing I don't want to get lost here is that. The other reason that we're really in this also is the health and well-being. So yep. especially around junior sport, the promotion of SunSmart, um, teaching kids that, hey, it's smart to use sunscreen. Um, I was horrible when I was a kid. Um, I don't even want to talk about what I was doing in the sun when I was a kid. But mm. the, it's another option opportunity for clubs with their juniors to get that health and well-being message across as well as they – Tennis is one of those sports where you're out in the sun nearly all of the time. It's, yep. it's like cricket. Those two sports are probably you're out there more than any other sport. We've got to continue to promote the sun smart piece with junior sport. We certainly do. Mike, how can people sort of contact you, liaise with you? Uh, they'll be listening in tonight thinking, okay, I w- wouldn't mind having a conversation with you. The best idea is to go to our website. So www.sunblessedsunscreens.com.au or an email to hello at sunblessedsunscreens.com. It's the best thing to do. Okay. If you have any troubles with any of those details, you haven't jotted down, let us know here uh, and we'll put you in touch with uh, Mike uh, Direct. We're going to continue to work on some uh, different things uh, going forward uh, throughout the year because um, there's the, the big picture of the sport that we that we both love and it's not only just the elite end, it's the grassroots end that is uh, so vitally important. Mike, stick around for uh, the last little bit of the show because we've got still a bit to come and we've got some sunscreen to give away and we've got prizes uh, galore. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back... On the other side, have a chat to Jed Zetzer next. There's some breaking news coming out of uh, the UK ahead of Wimbledon as well. We'll tell you about that and all the Aussies next on The First Serve. The First Serve, your home of tennis for First Serve Tennis Sunscreen. A quality Australian-made sunscreen to protect those that love their tennis at sunblessunscreens.com.au and GLG Green Life Group, your open space specialists at glgcorp.com. Welcome back to The First Serve, our last segment as we extend the show this week and uh, right throughout the Grand Slams, uh, the two weeks of Wimbledon and the US Open a little bit uh, later on in the year. Screens everywhere, some results in, big matches still to come. Uh, Jed Zetz is a huge part of our team. He's burning the midnight oil every night uh, with thefirstserve.com.au, all our socials, our podcasts. Jed, nice to have you on the show. BP, thank you for having me on. Before we get to the Aussies, uh, some news coming out of uh, the UK ahead of Wimbledon. Yes, now Kyle Edmonds, he has not recovered from his knee surgery in April and we haven't seen him out on court since October and he is now withdrawn from Wimbledon, which is actually a major blow uh, for the Brits. He's one of their uh, best hopes at Wimbledon, and he's out. So that is a huge blow for British tennis. He's been out for some time, hasn't he? I feel like it's an eternity since we've seen Kyle Inman. When was the last time he played, Jed, off the top of your head? It's been a while. Uh, he played The last match he played was in October last year. So yeah. his yep. ranking is now going to dip outside the top 70. Yep. Uh, it's turned into a significant injury for him. Yeah, of course, uh, made the semis of the Australian Open. We're showing a lot of promise there, but uh, injury, uh, well, it derails you at some point in your tennis career. I mean, you admire those who stay durable uh, for such a, a long period. Uh, just before we get on to the Aussies, you, you know how much the young guys of the sport fascinate me. I just wanted to touch on this. So we've been singing the praises of Carlos Alcaraz, right? This young Spaniard, 18 years of age, the, the, the top-ranked 18-year-old. He's inside the top 100. Well, over the weekend... Uh, I love this guy's name, Holger Vitas Notskov Run of Denmark, who's the number one junior, and he uh, he won the challenger in Biela. So he's up to 238. He's the next one coming. He's second ranked behind uh, Carlos Elcaraz. We're going we're to have to, I think we can just probably go Holger Rune is how he sort of referred to 
uh, when we see results uh, coming through. We might have to drop the Vitas Nodskov for the Jed. <laughs> he's coming. Yeah, he, he is. He's absolutely coming. He's going to be one to watch over the next, I think, 12 months. This is when we'll really find out, uh, yeah, how good he's going to be. He's certainly uh, the next part of that next crop coming through. So Denmark uh, going okay with he on the uh, the men's side and got Clara Towson, the young girl who won the Australian Open Juniors a couple of years ago. She's inside the top 100, won a WTA title this year. So uh, post uh, Caroline Wozniacki, maybe a couple of future stars happening from Denmark. I also noticed uh, Jack Sock. We've just forgotten about Jack Sock. He's sort of been in the wilderness for a man that got to world number eight with a big serve and a massive forehand. He won in... Uh, Little Rock, Arizona on the weekend. Uh, in fact, no, I think it's in Arkansas, I think. Uh, seven five six four. So Jack Sock, just way off the radar at the moment, Jack. Uh, Jed, I should say. Yeah. Yeah, well, it was his first USTA pro title since 2013. So he's had to go back to his roots, uh, back on the lower levels, but he's done it. And I'd also like to watch how he progresses over the next 12 months. Obviously, the talent's there. I think it's more of a mental game and also just physically keeping his body in good shape. So we'll watch how he goes over the next 12 months. Jay, bring me up to speed on the Aussies uh, because post uh, the French Open, they've jumped onto planes, trains, automobiles and headed to different parts as we sort of begin the the road to Wimbledon on the grass. Just give us a bit of an update of where they're all at. Well, BP, uh, Stuttgart and Nottingham are the two tournaments this week which are hosting most of the Australians on tour now. James Duckworth was set to take on Sam Query in the qualifying in Stuttgart at the Mercedes Cup, but uh, after Query withdrew, Luke Saville has come in and taken his spot in the qualifying draw. So now Duckworth and Saville will face off in the first round of qualifying. There you go. Right, there you go. We don't like when the Aussies meet early, do we? we, we no, it's, we... Oh, it's... <laughs> You'd prefer they meet later in the tournament, if, if at all. But, uh, yeah, also in action in Stuttgart, uh, Christopher O'Connell, he's up against Radu Albot in qualifying there as well. And then in the main draw, we could have Aussies playing each other again. Alex Demonor and John Millman, they are in the same bracket. Demonor's got a bye in the first round as the fourth seed. And Millman, he's the eighth seed. He has a qualifier in the first round. So if both of them advance through to the quarters, they will meet. And Alexi Popper, and he's up against Feliciano Lopez, obviously the the 39-year-old Spaniard. And I've noticed coming back this week, it's another attempt, Jed, uh, and fingers crossed for Jason Kubler. Uh, now, he's back playing in Orlando a Challenger at this week. He won the Clay Court Championships uh, in Queensland, uh, what, about a week or so ago. We know he stayed home for quite some time. He's had so many injuries, as we know, across the journey, but got himself inside the top 100 what, two or three years ago now, and it's just been injury setback and starts again, gets injured, but he's a tremendous talent. If he could just get a break like Kokonakis and play some continuous tennis, but uh, he's back on the road this week, which is good news. He is in Orlando, and he's up against Ecuador's Roberto Quiroz, who's, uh, that's, that's going to be an interesting match to watch. I mean, we know the quality of Jason Kubler. He's been inside the top 100, and really, just as he got going, injury struck again. But uh, I'm quite bullish about Kubler. I think if he's able to stay on the tour for the rest of the year, yep. he can definitely uh, get back to that spot. And BP, you mentioned Tanasi Kokonakis. He's one of a few of these in action in the Viking Open main draw in Nottingham. And he's up against Dan Evans, the number one seed in the first round. So he'll have his work cut out for him. Mm. But uh, that is certainly a match that we will be watching. Yes, and, and the girls are in Nottingham too, aren't they? The WTA uh, 250, uh, Inglis, uh, Sharma is there, Cabrera, Rodionova, a fair representation. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Astra Sharma, actually, I've just got word that she's withdrawn. I'm not 100% sure uh, what the right. reasoning is there. If She's maybe just okay. taking the week off to recover from Roland Garros, but she is... Uh, Yep. She's out of the tournament. Uh, it is a left abdominal injury, I'm hearing. Um, mm. Hopefully nothing too serious ahead of Wimbledon. But yeah, Maddie Inglis, great to see her back on the tour. Her first uh, outing since the Australian Summer of Tennis. Uh, and then, yeah, Lizette Cabrera and Arena Rodian over to watch there as well. Hey, let's bring in Josh Gablich, because you two have been liaising a fair bit uh, during the week. He's back with us at uh, Roland Garros, who's been courtside for uh, Dylan Alcott. Uh, we got you there, Josh. You've got me, Brett. 
You've got me. Loud and clear. Um, I, I've just seen some great photos and a couple of videos uh, coming through courtside for uh, for Dylan. Um, the, the celebrations will go for a little while. He knows how to celebrate, Dylan Orcott. He definitely does, that's for sure. I mean, I spoke to him just briefly after his match and he was pumped. I mean, I think he's going to have a pretty good night in Paris. The, uh, the curfew's only 9pm, so he'll have to keep a lid on things, but uh, he's definitely going to celebrate it. it is, he mentioned he's not sure if he'll come back to Roland Garros in the future. So one to keep an eye on for sure, but a fantastic win. And as I mentioned before, he didn't have it all his own way. It was actually a much more difficult match than the scoreline suggested. So I think he'll celebrate this one, that's for sure. Uh, indeed. Jed, anything you want to fire? We've got all of us on the line. You want to fire at Josh's way? <laughs> 13 Grand Slam singles title for Dylan Alcott. It is just unbelievable. 21st Grand Slam title. Josh, he must have been absolutely over the moon, and we know he loves to celebrate. Yeah, you're spot on. He actually speaks a little bit of French now. He's got a French coach, yeah. so yeah. the uh, the uh, ceremony at the end was very entertaining. I've seen you both through a video, <laughs> but uh, he was uh, spectacular just the way he he, um, he he threw in a little bit of French with a bit of English, and uh, the mishmash was sensational to watch. So we know he's an entertainer, and that's certainly what he was after he got the job done just uh, about an hour ago now. Josh, on that note, who, who's your favourite? Cedric Pelin, uh, Fabrice Santoro or Marion Bartoli doing the courtside interviews, who, of course, have got to do it in French and in English. Have you got one that you sort of... Uh, I, I, I've got to say I love Cedric Pelin. I just reckon he's got away with the interviews. Uh, one sort of tickle your fancy more than the other? I've always been a Fabrice Santoro <laughs> man myself, and I've seen him around the concourse, and he's got... He's got that French swagger about him, doesn't he? Yeah. He's, he's got a real presence. And the difficulty in that post-match interview that he does on court is the translation. So yeah. a fair bit's getting lost, especially when you throw a mask into the mix for the player. But yep. he's uh, he's been very entertaining across the first nine days. Just as we wrap it up, mate, I mean, just the, the grounds of Roland Garros, I mean, the weather's been really kind and they, they, they were due too because they've, they've copped some really tough years with the weather. Um, you know, Obviously, the one talking point that's come out of the last week is just the night sessions. It's been an experiment. A lot of people saying it's just too late. They've got to bring it forward from uh, 9 o'clock. The unfortunate part is, I mean, you, you would love to have had 15,000, 16,000 Parisians uh, at full voice for the night session, which would have just made it something really special. But what's been the general consensus about you know throwing in the night session for the first time? Well, I mean, the, the issue is with the local curfew. So even if you have it at 7pm, which a couple of matches were at... I think the first match was at 7pm and, and fans had to leave. It was a bit like the scenes we saw at the Australian Open earlier this year. So it's just the nature of the circumstances we're in right now, unfortunately. But, I mean, and in a place like Paris, 9pm is perfect. The, the Champions League starts at 9pm. PSG always plays at 9pm. So the time's yep. perfect for uh, Parisians, but... It's not great when there's matches in front of no one. It's such an empty feeling being inside uh, such a great stadium like Court Philippe Chatrier with with no one in there. It's it's very very eerie. But hopefully, in, in twelve months' time, we don't have this problem and we're looking at a, a full crowd. So I mean, that's just definitely the feeling in here. It's obviously the first time we've ever had night sessions in Paris. So one positive is the organisers are getting a bit of a free hit in terms of. Eyeing, eyeing out all the uh, the mm. creases because it's such a, a big event tournaments like this so there are a few things that they don't go don't go to plan but um, fingers crossed this time next year it's chock a block yeah no doubt there's uh, nothing better I think uh, the the atmosphere for mine I don't know what you think uh, Jeb but that that Musetti Cecinato match where Lorenzo hit two of the finest tennis shots I've seen uh, that that was something else those outside courts. Just brilliant, aren't they? When you get an epic uh, five-setter. And there is there is a, a distinctive roar from the Parisians that you don't hear at the other slams. It's uh, it's brilliant stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that is that is like peak Grand Slam tennis on the outside court. A five-set thriller. It's just that is that is what Grand Slam tennis is all about. Yep, no doubt. Uh, Lorenzo Massetti, uh, Yannick Sinner coming up. So we're looking forward to that over the next few hours. Josh, thank you, first of all. Uh, we'll catch all your work on the first serve.com.au and our socials uh, right throughout the evening. 
Pleasure, Brett. I'll chat to you throughout the tournament. Josh Gablich, it's been great to have someone on the ground. I am jealous. Uh, We're stuck here. There's no travel. Uh, Well, I could, but um, I don't fancy sitting in a hotel back here for uh, two weeks and having to uh, forget the bill, to be totally honest. So it's been great to have Josh uh, on the ground for us. You can uh, check out all the behind the scenes at the French Open uh, through our socials. Jed, last word for you before we wrap up. What are you looking forward to for the remainder of the tournament? Uh, You... Uh, and tip me, tip me a couple of winners, can you? BP, I think Nadal, he's the one. I just can't see anyone beating him. I know Nick Lester said earlier on the show that he fancies Novak, but uh, I'm sticking firm. I think Nadal and your favourite, Igor Sviantek, she is going to be... I actually think she's going to be impossible to beat. She's been in scintillating form, and, yeah, she just looks unbelievable, to be honest. Uh, she does. She looks good. She's got Marta Kostiuk uh, tonight. So she won the Australian Open Juniors, made the third round of the Aussie Open as a 15-year-old. So it's been good to see her kick on uh, well inside the uh, the top 50 uh, in the rankings. So very nice week. The other one I'm looking forward to is Kenan Sakari. That's going to be pretty brutal. I reckon some long taxing points in that one tonight. Absolutely. Well, Kenan, hasn't she just flown under the radar? I mean, she is the only... Uh, 15 seed alive still alongside Sviantec. They're the only two. So yep. she's just sliding under the radar, Cannon, and going about her business beautifully. And hasn't got uh, Alex, her father, just watching uh, beady-eyed over uh, everything. She's sort of been freed up. The shackles <laughs> are off. And I don't think I've come across a more intense competitor than Sophia Kinnan, which you love. You love players that just give their absolute all. She's got her shortcomings that you know, she makes up with her, with her wheels, her intensity, just fights and scraps. Hasn't, hasn't got the biggest serve or the biggest shots, but uh, it's a game for all shapes and sizes to excel at. Thank you, Jed. Nice work. We'll catch you, of course, as part of the first serve during the week. Thank you to Nick Lester. Thank you to Mike from Sunbless for coming in. Uh, get hold of that first serve tennis sunscreens of beauty. Shane Leonard, you'll be a little bit disappointed with uh, Om Jabir tonight. Uh, Coco Goff. Uh, getting it done, Barbara Krichikova, the two women's matches going in a blink of an eye, but the man with the cap backwards, Diego Schwartzman, all, uh, what is he, about 165 centimetres, up against big yard Leonard Struff, the big and the small, and it's a great battle. We'll cover that. Catch it all on Channel 9 and stand sport right throughout the night, right throughout the week. We'll talk to you next Monday night at 8 o'clock. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.